think this uh, subject is very completely titled the evolution power of love because generally at a human level we use the word falling in love. But if there is a falling in love, it is only to give to side. So one of the problems when we use any term is that it is limited by the human experience. When we use the word knowledge, we limit it to mental knowledge, which is processing information gathered by observation or data, analyzing it, arriving to rational processes and some kind of inference. This is what we understand by knowledge. But knowledge is a very different connotation when we take to the spiritual life. In the sense that knowledge is spiritual experience means that truth which is at the base of everything. That's how the word is Vid, from which the word Veda comes. Vid is that which, the, the knowledge which is behind everything because of which this is a whole cosmic order emerging out of chaos. That is called knowledge and not this processing of information and so on and so forth. But at a human level, this is what we have. So nothing wrong with it, but it is limited. Its bandwidth, its scope is limited. So also when we use the word power, with power either we mean, you know, ability to manipulate events outward or inward or at its highest a kind of magic, something which, you know, happens like instantaneously. But basically it's the ability to manipulate events, to change them, whether it be circumstances of life or inner states as the yogis would say. But in yoga, in spiritual life, power means that original force that has gone into creation and how it operates through countless millions, billions, trillions of processes that it has created for its own, you know, joy. Similarly, a third term, I am speaking of now, you know, the three terms of Indian um, mysticism, Satchidananda. So the third term is Ananda. So, you know, ask somebody, what do you get in Pondicherry? Oh, it's a delightful place. What is What kind of delight you have in Pondicherry? Wine or divine? <laughs> Whether one has experienced or not. So again, joy of life is limited to our own bandwidth. We can experience pleasure, so we think it's joy, and joy is equal to delight and so on and so forth. These are human limitations and the same happens but no other word has suffered as much distortion as love. So the moment we think of love, we think love between two human beings. And those two human beings have to be necessarily people who are romantically in love. And then we think about you know love between parent and child and friends and brothers and sisters. But this is only one small little mode of expression of love one bandwidth and a very limited bandwidth. Now this understanding is important because we as human beings are programmed to evolve. We are not programmed to be happy where we are. That's why we are the most discontented creature on planet earth and it's a special grace that we are unhappy. So unlike animals who are happy with their, you know, Shabindra says in the life divine, the animal is satisfied with its modicum of necessities. Gods are content with their splendor. Of all creatures, man is the most discontented and therefore he alone can be seized by a frenzy to achieve the impossible. This is given to man. 
So to start with as an aside, if life has treated us harshly and we are unhappy, it's a great blessing. Don't lose this opportunity. Otherwise it will come again after some time. <laughs> it's an opportunity to evolve because when we are contented in safe comfort zone, and Shubhidra speaks about Burdu ideal and the samurai, we are looking, looking for safe comfort zones, which means we are not looking for progress. We are looking for comfort zones where we can be happy. But when we look for progress, then happiness comes as a flowing from every side. So today we speak about just this one aspect and all aspects are the same, same trajectory. So we have this impression, one, because we are the highest evolved creature on the planet that our experience is the highest experience, highest possibility of creation. Ask people that, you know, Shubhinder speaks about going beyond man and tell people beyond, no, no, man is the highest. What was there before man? The chimp may have felt that he is the highest till man outran him in some savanna. And today we have man not flying from one tree to another but flying from Delhi to New York. This is man. But does evolution stop here? No, it goes beyond. So this is how we have to understand human experience, human present actuality is not the limit. It's like someone would say the limits of our sight are not the limits of light. So this is the first aspect that there is lot more to come. And similarly before human beings, there is a lot more that has happened which we must take into cognizance to understand who we are and where we are going. So what has happened before man? This used to marvel me as a question when people talk about, you know, oh, how is evolution beyond man possible? So I used to say it is the only possible things that seems to me uh, really possible. Why? Because when we, I, you know, any of us, if we look at the journey from dust to man, it's now, you know, uh, we all believe in evolution, at least reasonable people do believe in evolution. <laughs> now imagine from dust to man, this journey, that power which is working in it, in creation to lift this dust to the babel of neurons, is it going to stop here? If you really believe it, we are being too naive. So what is that power that has gone into dust hidden inside the atoms? If you really look at purely from a pure scientific point of view, it is a wonder when you look at the quantum world and still below. It's a chaos. It doesn't follow any laws, rules, regulations. This was one of the biggest challenges of the physical scientist community that how to explain this world which doesn't follow any of the neat laws of Newtonian mechanics. It's a different world altogether. We are still figuring out. Now, out of that chaos, what is the power that is lifting everything up? There has to be a power, whether it's mechanical, whatever it is, there has to be a force, unified force, which everybody is trying to understand in its own way. That original power which has gone into this chaos, why the chaos came, I am not going into it because that's a subject in its own right. But out of that chaos, but we can have an image for that. Things started taking a shape, coming together, coalescing, atoms, molecules, crystals. And from there the journey started, something which has come up to us and doesn't stop here, it continues to seek something further. Now, just one image which can make us understand chaos. I am not, you know, entering into involution, evolution that way. 
बट यू नो वेन ए फायर बर्नस सो यू सी वेरी टाइनी टाइनी स्पॉट विच आर थ्रोन एरा एंड वेन देर इज अज फायर ऑल ऑफ एक्सपीरियंस लोडी एंड होली एंड ऑल द फायर बर्निंग सो वेन द फायर बर्नस लॉट ऑफ स्पार्क्स आर थ्रोन एरा एंड दे वैनिश आफ्टर ए पॉइंट ऑफ टाइम इट्स अमेजिंग साइड दिस इज द एक्चुअल इमेज ऑफ क्रिएशन the tremendous fire which burned you know that's how it is said fire is the one the knower of all births at the origin there is a fire what is fire fire is divine energy divine consciousness which throughout countless sparks out of itself in its tremendous whirling dance of energy and all these sparks that people this world with as stars and all the objects of creation now they are flying and there has to be something which holds them together now we may study all the forces that hold stars together and binds but that original power which holds the different objects different bodies and doesn't confine itself to bodies but to beings to everything in a kind of interconnected huge chain whether we call it the food chain or evolutionary change or the spiritual link but there is a tremendous change just imagine conceiving that power which is operating in cosmos to keep the smallest element linked to the highest just imagine that if is there is there anything really separate in this creation pure science it is not it cannot be and yet look at us the audacity of man that he thinks i am separate in this universe there is nobody but me <laughs> but if we really look at creation everything not only material world everything is interconnected so the first energy the power of love its first action is to bind all things together until date love operates like that what does love do love brings people together not only brings them together love is not satisfied with bringing together it wants to harmonize them even more challenging work bringing people together is the easiest work even the power so bringing people together is through the force of attraction and in the human ego it becomes attraction and repulsion because they you know that's how individuality is created but bringing people together is the beginning of a work next is harmonizing them it takes lifetime to you know even two people to harmonize and imagine this whole creation it's holding in a kind of cosmic order so the first power of love is that it brings people forces energies together and mind you the beauty is it's not together in a static order it's very easy for us to you know i was seeing this lovely movement which was taking place uh, beautiful you know formation and activity was going on now imagine if everybody was told that okay you are free to do whatever way you want and every 2 minutes some new person will come who doesn't know anything about the rules of the game and he will enter and start his own thing and anybody is leaving at any point of time it's a tremendous dynamic dance just imagine doing this small little activity how much uh, thought how much practice how much background is needed just for this this activity imagine billions of forces entering into the universe at every level every thought every energy every feeling is a something we have let loose into creation it has to be harmonized and things which are moving out again a new harmony harmony is not only when people come in you see when a new child comes or when a child is born this is whole order is disturbed isn't it settle order now those who have children will understand it 
then again you have to discover a new way so everybody harmonizes everything is centered now around the child then after some time when the child goes again that harmony is disturbed now again a new harmony now this is a process going on every moment of our lives and this power which is bringing them together and harmonizing and bringing them together and harmonizing is the power of love so power of love as we experience now i'll come to the human experience but just to understand how it is operating is the power that brings people forces energies movements not just people human beings creatures birds and beasts and stone and man and gods and titans and all that is seen and unseen together in a state of dynamic harmony which is different from a static harmony dynamic da- harmony means dance of creation who is the dancer it is love uh, once we understand this aspect that it's the power then we can see how it operates within us through this harmony because because of this harmony no individual unit can there are a lot, lot of practical implications not theory it means no individual unit in this creation can progress in isolation you try you will reach a point you will stop evolution is not a freak that one chimpanzee turned into man there has to be a group of chimpanzees who are ready to go further they are feeling the angst and something breaks free in a group then of course the chain is formed so in all evolution it's like that it cannot be one human being so this brings into question that whole theory of liberation moksha is going away from the world cut off the cycles of birth and rebirth you know what it does it does creates one kind of disorder in this creation which that power of love has to again you know but creation is not meant for that it is meant for something else there is another movement of love so this movement shrodindra described beautifully as the power of mahalakshmi he has used the word you know mahalakshmi which brings forces people everybody together but there is another movement of love which is not horizontal this is at the same level all of us in creation it is the power of divine love which links the abyss to the heights you know what is the greatest act of love greatest act of love is not offering a rose valentines day and you know giving a ring nowadays it's vaccine that latest thing is pfizer vaccine if you can give to your <laughs> girlfriend it is love <laughs> because it's not available <laughs> this is not love what is the greatest moment of love what is it that you can give to somebody whom you love just imagine to what extent you can Our understanding. understanding, okay, but still greater. Ultimate. Just imagine what is the ultimate one can give in love. Death. 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 Yeah. Okay. Somebody is who is willing to die. Okay. Freedom. You are willing to die for freedom. Freedom. Freedom is of course sacrifice of all we are and all. You know, this sacrifice is a word very dear to the gods, but human beings shrink from it, and freedom is part of it. What is really giving freedom? I sacrifice all that I could derive as personal pleasure, joy. You know, you want to hold on. So, look at the paradox. Love is a power that unites, but the greatest act of love is when you set free. Can you imagine this paradox? And it's very true. 
So now look at this, uh, and everything else is correct. Of course, there should be understanding. One should be ready to die for, and you know, every every aspect. But the greatest is sacrifice of oneself and setting the person free. Now this is the first act when Shubhendu speaks about it as a story. The mother speaks about it as a story. When all these sparks flew into vanishing into some darkness, like sparks of fire. Some power had to rush in and hold them together, gather them in one basket and arrange them as stars, stars in space. So that was something which came out from the core of the divine. He has started the dance, the creation has started, but where will it go? Divine is dancing, it could be Tandav, destruction, it could be Lair. So there is a very nice story about you know, in Indian mythology where Shiva is dancing, Parvati is also dancing. Because Shiva is destroying and Parvati is created last year. So this power went, it went into chaos. And so from the chaos came an SOS. We are born from that fire. But we are sparks which are lost in darkness. Nobody can see us also. Save, save is the first SMS by the way. Going into the depths of creation. This original SMS still stands. We talked about So the SOS went and a power from the divine leapt into creation to save it. So Mother puts it very beautifully. Consciousness has built this creation, but it is love that saves it, that completes the trinity. You see, when we talk about trinity, we have the power that builds creation. There is another power which maintains creation. There is a third power which destroys it, but where is the power that saves it? That power hidden behind that acts in all of them, all of them is the power of love. So this power which works in creation to rescue it from darkness and lead it through step by step through all the evolutionary stages right up to man and will carry him beyond. Where will it lead man to? Where is it actually taking it back? Each of these parts, you know, what is its potential? Its potential is to set a whole place into fire. So this one great fire out of whose breath each spark is born can become a fire. So it is meant to create multiple divinities out of the one divine. In the Upanishad there is a very wide creation. So there is a very simple half asloka. Ekoham bahushyami. One wanted to become many. So people think many means all of us. No, we are still not many. We are still not that original divine uh, replicas. We are still too much of, you know, mixed element. So what is that power laboring at? It is laboring to create the divine units on the basis of form and being. Tremendous labor it is engaged in. First it pulls creation out of chaos. So you have matter which is formed and, you know, you have... And you know, its presence you will see, always wherever there is love, there are two twin sisters who accompany, olden times, when princes got married, so they were one or two accompanying persons, it's the pharaohs even in the province. So ye after the, because you know somebody will take care, she knows what her taste and tendencies are. You can know love by two forces which are simultaneously present around you. One is beauty and the second is joy. You will recognize love. The moment there is sense of joy, little experience of love at any level, and it brings beauty. 
suddenly people start looking beautiful. They look 20 years younger than human level. Strange. Because it's the power which acts like that. So in creation, do we have evidence of this? Look at the crystals. See crystal images? A lot of women uh, talks about it, Japanese uh, experiment. Look at crystals. You will see what a marvel. It's not a random event. What a wonder. And there are experiments actually that you know, when you tell a jar of water, I love you, I love you, I love you. What happens? When you do crystallographic images, they are like diamond shaped. When you say I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. The crystals are like broken pieces. So why, why love? Energy of love becomes hate to human beings, all these things, because we, as limited vessels, receive it in a limited container called the ego. When mother was asked, why is it that love comes to human beings now, we come up to here and, and just quickly to recapitulate the journey. And plants, how does love manifest in plants? You can see how they find way to light up. Put a plant anywhere, no plants who are exposed to it will start finding its way. Nobody tells it. In animals, there is a spontaneous attraction. And along with that, during that season, spring, the season of love, beauty, joy, everything will come spontaneously. And then in human beings, it starts again with the power of attraction. But most human beings, unfortunately, that's the tragedy, cannot contain this power for God. Why? Because we are very small business. Love in us turns into, I love you, therefore you must love me. That's the end of the story between me and you. So I put it in Hindi, some of you may understand Hindi. So, initially it is, man or two. Pittu or man? Pittu tu? Man man. Why this happens? This tragedy, no? It's light turns into hate. Because we are small containers. The power of love makes tremendous vastness. You can imagine it's already in the creation. Really want to harbor this power, they are very beautiful. Several places in the same One of the this is mentioned describes how Savitri could harbor that power of love. Shrimita writes, love in her was vaster than the universe. The whole world could take refuge in her single arms. Single heart. Then he says he, in her, he could find his own eternity. He met for eternity. Love is a power that seeks intensity and eternity. And it can only enter into vast hearts, small channels it can't stay, after some time it tends to evaporate. And it has to be fed by this sacrificial fire of giving. To want is not to love but to devote, so it is the first expression of the one That's why it will be learning in animals, you see, in the, the first expression of love in animals is like that, to devote. So there are a lot of studies, very interesting studies. In human beings it takes the form of Stockholm syndrome, some of us must have heard about it. But in animals, you know what form it takes? When an animal is prey very near the predator, so sometimes with uh, the python, you will have found that a point comes when the animal literally gives way. 
and it has been found that even in being devoured, there is a kind of joy. Some people, even in human beings, it can take a very perverse form. It can take the form of self martyrdom, which is different from sacrifice. That you know, somebody is finishing me, and I'm very happy. But that's the most primitive form of love. Where it wants to finish, crush, finish the individuality of the human being. And therefore, what happens when you do that? You unite. The most primitive form of unity. By finishing the person, you unite the person. Finish the individuality, finish the thinking, finish the feeling. So you are going to unite. But the challenge of love is not that. The challenge of love is to set free and unite. This is a very different thing altogether. Where each unit is free in its own way, and yet there is unity and divine. That's precisely that. Look at the variety in creation. That's why very often people ask about describing, let us say, a community like ashram or many other places where you see really diverse people. Diverse not only you know, horizontally, but diverse in terms of degrees of evolution. So I have a very nice simile which I use, like Sivji Ki Bharat. No, who all went to Shiva's Bharat? Gods, Titans, Bhut, Prey, Pishaj, Gan, Sur, Muni. Who held them together? The love of Mother Parvati and Shiva. Because this is the power. They are not asked to be otherwise. And yet they are there. And they are accepted. So one of the aspects of love is unconditional acceptance. I was waiting somebody will say that. Unconditional acceptance. It gives a tremendous energy. And that can only be when I am loving, not for what I am getting out of it. But for the joy of it. The joy of loving comes much later. With human beings, it starts with, I love myself. And therefore, I will love those who love me. And there also, I must initiate you because you must be just like me. Then it takes next form, one step higher. You love me, so maybe I can love you. Then it comes, I love you, but I want you to love me. Then it comes, I love you, but you at least acknowledge my you don't love me, it's okay, but at least say time to time. Send an SMS and thank you. Acknowledge with love. Then it goes still further. This all human ranges. Then it goes still further and you love because you are you can't do otherwise. Even if anything in the creation, but it becomes your nature, it becomes you breathe that power, that energy. It requires tremendous vastness. So the problem comes here then, but where will we get our store of love? And that's when we are coming to the evolutionary aspect. The final from human being. Where will we get our quota of love? I can't be just giving, no, endlessly. Where do I get my quota of love? From the very source, from where all love comes. This is what yoga is. Yoga is, if you see the word, what does it mean? Yoga? Union. Now you may limit it to union between mind and body, if you believe mind and body are everything. Or we can extend it to its original sense, union between the soul and the divine. Or we can say union of every particle of creation with the divine. Shurvindos Yoga is about even matter can unite with the divine. But union. And now we understand why the yoga of bhakti, surrender is regarded as a crown. Take up any yoga. All mysticism at the end it speaks about this. Gita speaks about this. Kabir speaks about this. Kabir says this is such a powerful in the words. He says you want to enter the house of love, you want to go to divine, enter the house of love. 
Okay, what is the fees? Everywhere you have an entry fees, no? Ticket, ticket, ticket. How much money can I pay? Ten thousand dollars and enter the house of love? Too little. All my wealth too little. अरे what will I give them? Kabir says, ये तो घर है प्रेम का, काला का घर नहीं है. I translate it in English. शीश कटाए, इधरे तब बैठे घर में ही. Want to enter the house of love? Okay, fine. You can't. You know, it's not your cousin's place. Just you walk inside. There is a price for it, and price for it is cut your head. Ego. Keep it outside. Then you are allowed to. Now we understand. Now Shrutan speaks of Mahalakshmi as the power that unites creation fundamentally and in all its dimensions, and Mahakali is the power that lifts it up. Mahakali is divine. What does she do? In an intensity of uniting us with the divine, because we are strange, struggling. We are saying no, no, no. I want to, you know, follow my way in the ascetic sense. So at one point, in tremendous love, she comes. Enough of it. Like some mothers, and drag the child inside. Enough, enough, enough. Come. So sometimes the love of the divine can take this fierce form. Can take the form of destruction. If that is necessary, can you imagine how the power that can destroy? It destroys the ego. Any ego is covered. Power of love, and that's why it liberates. See, when love comes, why do you feel happy? Because the cause for unhappiness is ego and smallness and weakness. For a moment, we are liberated. At last, only for a moment, it comes back again, and the whole problem starts. So, the way of love, and to go the journey, take the journey forward and further, is to get the love within me united with the source of love, which is the divine. Now, our heart is finite, but divine is infinite. So when you unite with that, you are plugged in. This is not like petrol pump where you know you are connected, charged over. It is infinitely pouring into us, endlessly, and it doesn't need to sit in a particular way or a position. It's a matter of love. You can't codify it into this way or that way. That is love. Love the divine is to receive endlessly, constantly the inpouring of love. Then you won't want it. Start with we are free. That's how love begins. What we do with this love? Spread it all around. To whom? Not only to one person, two persons. To the whole creation. Wherever, wherever we go, to birds and beasts and animals and human beings, all who need this world suffers because of. The deficiency of vitamin L <laughs> and vitamin F, faith. And vitamin B, which is beauty. Vitamin A, ananda. But most of all, vitamin L. So, this is seven nitya pratidin, pratishan. To love the divine is open to the source of love. And then to read it as naturally as one feels. So life becomes very simple and beautiful, and it's the fastest way for yoga. Because if yoga is union with the divine, as we know it is, what is that power that can unite you? Fastest is the power of love. We all know it. Anything you try to approach human beings through an understanding. What happens if they try to understand each other? Okay, what are your likes, dislikes? What color do you like? Oh, good. I also like the same color. What food do you like? Oh, wonderful. I have the same food habits. Oh, you speak the same language as mine. Excellent. All check boxes are ticked. But 
There is something you have not ticked, which is the most important. And this task stays together. And the next day, don't ask a person, I don't know if I smell bad, do you still love me? Things start because it's all based on certain conditions. So this is the way knowledge really approaches the divine. What is God tell me? I read books, I understand, I walk this way, that way. But divine when he appears in his totality, can be frightening. Arjuna was frightened when he saw that image of divine when he is simultaneously before Purushetra. So knowledge takes us up to the study room of God. Study room, we have a nice portala. Works take us a step further. Right? Because when you work, you will be called for errands. You begin to understand the divine much better because you know now you know what he really wants, not as a system or a theory, but at a given point of time, what is the divine will? You start understanding it. You are not fixing a dogma, a rigid dogma. But love will take you to the very heart, to the bedroom. And what will the divine tell you in the bedroom? All the dreams of the future which is not disclosed to him. Then the divine gives himself utterly to us. So love is the power that unites creation to the divine. And this journey will be incomplete. It's not enough that my soul unites with the divine. The lonely freedom cannot satisfy a heart that is born one with a deep heart. Then you discover all is the divine. That's why the mother says very beautifully, love is not sexual intercourse, love is not the heart's hunger for affection, love is a mighty vibration coming from the one going to the one. So, what it would translate into, not I love you, but the divine in me loves the divine in you. And my body, my mind, my heart is a channel. Why it is so that he loves so and so formation? That's the light of the play. But it is not limited to that. In everybody, this divine is inherited. So love and hate will go away. They will be true love. True love. They cannot be hate around it. And then you will love not only animals and birds, but even stones and matter. How can you leave it out? So everything that we have with us, it will have the same vibration of love in infusing. And if we can do it and become truly alien channels of love, then we can participate in its evolutionary process. In Kudalini Yoga, it is the same thing which is described in a different way. From matter, there is the awakening of matter, the divine energy. And it moves there by ever there ultimately to a point. The last three steps of Kundalini Yoga, cutting through all the other processes, Mahakali, Mahakali, Kalarati. She takes away everything that you call yourself. This is me, my identity, my surname, my qualification, my visiting card. She snatches away everything, Kalarati. Then what does she do? She gives us the true knowledge, Mahakali. Then you transcend both, and then you have the Siddhi Dhatu, the cure of divine perfection. So it's the same truth described in different ways, in different languages, in different literature. But essentially, the journey of love is not yet over. It needs instruments that are white and strong. Shri Prabhupada says only those who are very strong 
and wide can bear its power. Otherwise, you know how love can make it so mad. This is the big graph. Now, if there are any questions, we can have it. Yes, please. Um, why, if known that freedom is the like act of love, yeah. Yeah. Uh, why, like a place like a Churubindu ashram, have so many rules and regulations? So many rules and oh. regulations. But both these questions, I'll take up them to different questions, though, but interconnect. First is why is freedom regarded as the highest expression of love, right? In the context of love. Very simple. It is regarded as the highest expression of love because as long as you don't give freedom, you are wanting something. Do you know what it means to give freedom to somebody? One may go very far away from you. Have the courage to do it? I know, I'm not saying about you, but I'm saying about a human being. And yet to continue to love. Now, who loves this way? The divine. So, difficult to now coming the show to the Shurabindu Ashram. You may be, it's very good to remember that there was a long period when there were actually no rules. Incidentally, it was all documented. No rules. And somebody asked in Brahman Ashram that why is it that everywhere we have, uh, you know, even segregation, boys, gents, all this. But in Shukrita Ashram, there are no rules. Even boys and girls mix so freely. There was a yogi there who replied it very beautifully. He said, You know, Mother Shukrita, they are divine. They can do this because they have the power to ultimately, they are the ones who hold the play in their hands. So, only somebody who has tremendous inner power can give complete freedom. So, for a long time in the ashram, there was no rule. Then people said, some rule, everybody replaced the rule. So Shirdhita gave only one rule, the first rule of the ashram which stands in today. You know what was the rule in the ashram? The rule was, live always as if you were under the very eyes of the Divine Mother. Do nothing, try to think and feel nothing that would be unworthy of the Divine Mother. See, it's hardly a rule. It's a way of life. And it's understandable that if you want to undertake yoga, every yoga is a process. I can't say that I'm engaging in yoga of love when I'm doing everything contrary to that. I can't say that I'm engaging in yoga of knowledge by simply just whiling away my time reading all kinds of novels. I'm not saying that reading novels cannot give you knowledge. The eye of knowledge is open, everything is possible. But there is a process. So this was the only rule. Then when the ashram was formed into a legal entity, but much later, 1955, the documents were signed right across in the lake estate. And they were signed because there was a legal, you see, before the mother, before Shirobindu's physical withdrawal, there was no issue. It was all in the name of Shirobindu. And it was a French territory. Now, 1954, even after Shirobindu's physical withdrawal, for four years, there was no issue because French territory, all the things were. In French, there was no issue. Now, after, in I think 1st November 1954, when the French handed over, then the question was now Indian government, now the rules have to be framed. So, as part of the new rule, you have to form a legal body. It cannot be automatically the mother. I mean, for us, it's yes, but so there was a document created in which the mother did not want to give rules. Even then, she didn't give rules, but you have to give some rules. 
So then, after some time, when she was told, Mother, if you don't give rule, people don't understand. The same happened in Norway, the whole conversation of ours. That, you know, people don't understand. They think if you have no rules, that means licentious life. And it is said there is no rules, it doesn't mean licentiousness, it means you form your own rules and your own discipline. Nobody is policing you to do it. It means because authentic evolution cannot be otherwise. If somebody is standing with a stick over my head and wanting me to behave, then I am falling. Then, you know, I have been in military, so I know, you know, extremely disciplined armed force. But I know that, you know, when you come out, though something gets ingrained into you, still, now you are on your own. So, that's not evolution. So, she gave freedom, but freedom meant that there is a path of yoga, pursue it with your own choice. If you don't, the world is there. So, this was the idea behind. But people didn't understand. They said, okay. So, she used the word maximum of freedom, minimum of rules. So, that means you can do anything. You can go drink, eat, be merry, and everything is yoga. All life is yoga. So, therefore, when this was brought to her notice, very reluctantly she gave rules. And she said, the rules are very few. No drinking, no smoking, no politics, and there was a logical reason behind it, not in the moral rule, and no sexual intercourse, not banning of love, mind you. And why all this? Because they act contrary to the ascending impulse of yoga, very simple. When we smoke, there are forces which come in the atmosphere, they are drawn by smell, just like perfumes. She didn't say don't smoke, otherwise I will turn you out of the ashes. It's in your mood. When we drink, it steals away reason and makes us infrarational rather than making us supra-rational. Politics is a force of division. Politics has nothing to do about Congress, BJP and AAP. Politics is about three people coming together and forming, oh, this person, that person. This is politics. So what is politics? By its nature, it's a force of division. So therefore, no politics. And both sexual intercourse, the same energy which is meant for new creation by ascending upward through sexual intercourse, first downwards and have a baby. So either we can have the baby as the new creation child or we can have a physical baby. The choice is ours. Not that it's bad and taboo and you know, uh, oh it's horrible. Not in that sense. But it was a rule for our own. And we had to apply it our own freedom. Otherwise people, it's up to them. So sexual act leads to that because it goes down towards something else. You have thrown out the energy for creating a baby out of you. Which is wonderful. Nothing wrong with having a baby. But the same energy which turns upward becomes, that's the Kundalini process, it becomes the power of new creation. So this was the rules. Otherwise, but even they were so much loosely followed because she is the Divine Mother. You will ask your Hindu, why have you given so much freedom to your disciples? Even freedom to an extent that they can hang themselves. Shabindu said that jokingly in one of his letters. He said because Superman cannot be created without him. You can't beat a person with a stick and say, you turn into a superman, sit bold state, you can't. It has to be, evolution is a conscious choice. It's not something like a force dog. That's why. And whenever we have too many rules, it turns into a religion. So actually on the contrary, there are hardly any rules in the ashram. Whatever are there on document, they are also hardly followed. Let me tell you that. And you see, it is a unique place where people can walk inside without as much as paying a penny outside. There is no separate line for boys, girls, dining room, VIP, special darshan, all these are rules. No such rule in the ashram. 
Nothing like everybody collecting prayer, we are going to take attendance, how many people are coming, dress code, no dress code, wear a mala, no mala. Nothing. Actually, there is nothing. Sing, no song. No? No talking. Oh, who said? That is inside the ashram remarks. Ashram, I think they speak a lot. dance inside. No, that is a different thing. That is not a rule. That is very simple. See, it's a collective place. It doesn't need somebody to make a rule. For instance, now I am giving a talk. Imagine if everybody started, uh, you know, making a noise. It is common sense. It's humanness to understand. Now, now I am living in a community. Now, supposing somebody throws garbage in front of my door, and I make a rule, or the community makes a rule, this is not acceptable. So, is it really a rule? It is something which a human being should understand. If somebody steals my pocket, now these are not rules of the. Ashram life, they are rules of collective life which a person with common sense should follow. Even that is uh, uh, not followed. But it should be. When we are in a space which is a space dedicated to quietude, like in Matri Mandir, so we should respect it. Otherwise, we need not go there. So that's the spirit there. That, like, there are a lot of people who are sitting quietly. Why disturb them? They have not done anything wrong. So that is the spirit behind it. It's not a rule of the ashram. In the sense that Ashramites will not talk to each other, they will not smile at each other. No, 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 they speak quite nicely, very much jokingly, <laughs> they are very happy lot. But inside the Ashram, or in any department for that matter, yes, because people are concentrating, it's common sense. But unfortunately, we don't have so much common sense, so we have to make rules. Should not be required. So that's the okay? Yes, please. Parts of parts of parts of a being. Parts. Oh, wonderful. Path is not outside. Path is not in a book. Path is everywhere. Because the divine is everywhere. See the divine, and whatever you may be doing will become a path. This tendency of codifying things into a path, sitting in a classical posture now it is meditation. See what did Kabir say? Kabir said something very beautiful. I am Kabir is coming, I think you said you know this topic. Sadho Sahaj Samadhi Bali. What is Sahaj Samadhi? When somebody asks you Hindu uh, Sahanadi, I cannot meditate. But when I sit, I imagine myself sitting in mother's lap. You know what did Sri Vindu said? It is the best possible form of meditation. See, the problem of codifying is it, it turns towards religion, classical way. But life is never life never follows the mind in a classical way. You may fall in love with a human being and find God through him. Mother speaks of this. Simply because now you have he's taken that love to a point. In fact, she was asked, what do I do when I find somebody whom we love and we are supposed to abandon all love for the sake of the divine? What do we do? She said, go through it. Love unselfishly, without any expectation, you will touch the core of divine love. That's the path. Have you ever, ever read any of that classical textbook of Bhakti and see it describing that you know, human love can be transmuted into divine love, but it is so logical. With the same energy, 
you can love an animal or a plant. That's the whole idea. Like the वास्तविक संबंधा। इसी के प्रकार लोग भगवान become a pathar stone forget about human being because it's not about the object it's not about the process it's about the state inside the attitude and mother has freed us from all these trappings to an extent that she said all that is needed is a thirst and if you have a thirst for that something which you want but you don't have even if it may be vague you know i want something i don't know what call it god divine nothing doesn't matter perfection it's all human terms The divine knows what you are seeking. Since if you have a thirst, thing is not to be satisfied within the human formula, either secular, religious, scientific, or anything. But to seek, she says, if you have the thirst for that something we don't have, that something we seek to acquire, that perfection we are seeking for, then with that thirst you can be anywhere. Even the extra vagances of an American youth are a path. You know the extra. What is that extra vagueness of an American youth? Bikers going all over. Yet that can be a path. If while on that journey you are carrying this thirst, so keep the thirst. Leave the books. One may read all the books and finish the thirst because one may live in the illusion of knowledge. You see, one of the biggest problem of Pandit Giri, where people have read books filled with information, not knowledge, and when they give lectures, makes it worse. Because then, oh, you spoke very well. Oh, I am a knowledgeable person. This is an illusion of knowledge. True knowledge comes when we discover the mind and understand. And it will come when we are looking for that one everywhere. How are we looking? Doesn't matter. Through the eyes, through the nose, ears, heart, mind, sense. Sit in meditation and think of you know what's happening in my house. It's not meditation. If you close this point with that story of Ashtavaka. Astavakra had a special liking for King Janak, and it is said that now King Janak is a lineage of kings. But one of the uh, it was King Janak at one place in the origin that uh, Janaki Mata's father is Guru was Janak. But in a lineage, I think third or fourth Janak, they were all king yogis, you know, free liberated Jivan Muktas. So he wanted the Atma Gyan, and he said to Astavakra. I want it because I am a busy man, you know. So give me journey in that much period in which I can put a saddle on a horse and climb over it. So who can give me? Ashtavakra said, I can give you. So that story is very interesting, but you know, if you take a side, he gave him. And then he said uh, he used to have a special liking for King <coughs> Jana. So people in his ashram who were living there said, What has happened to my guru? He gives so much importance to this worldly man. This king, maybe donates lot of money, but here, here living in Assam, so Assam people could read that part. He, he one day created a nice, uh, you know, little bit of drama. <laughs> so somebody came running and said, "Janak, Janak, your mitra is burning. The kingdom is burning." And king Janak told him, "Wait." Don't you see I'm at the feet of my master? He knew that his master, if he trusts him completely, he will take care of it. There was no little worry, so he goes away. So people looked at him. Suddenly, within a few moments, another person comes, and he says, 
you know what? All of you sannyasis, your lagoon was hanging, you know, lagoon undergarment. And the, some monkeys came and they plucked away the lagoon. Everybody got up and started running. Where is my lagoon? It's the inner state, nothing outer. It's good. If one, in the beginning stages, one wants an outer framework, so it is provided. But path is inner and it is everywhere. We carry the path even in the desert of Arabia. We carry the path on our deathbed. We carry the path when we are flying in an aircraft. We carry the path when we are abandoned in a shipwreck with nobody to save us. And one last choice taken away from us. That last moment can be a moment of revelation. We carry the path in every day. Okay, so I think we'll pause here. Thank you so much. Yeah. One, okay. one last, last question. What exactly is divine? What exactly is divine? The simplest answer is our own highest self that makes it a little more, you know. <laughs> Whatever we dream of, I'm giving you one definition. You may give hundreds of definitions and not exhaust. Saat samandh ko masi karo, again kabira. Saat samandh ko masi karo, lekhani sab ban rai kaal. Dharati to kaadat karo, har kune likhana kare. You may make ink out of all the seven oceans. And of all the trees, please don't cut trees, huh? You can make pen. And make the whole earth paper. Still you cannot write the good of one hari, the divine. But at the same time, Kabir says that Pothi padi padi jatmoa pandit bhayona koi Dhai yadhar prem ka padis pandit koi Now, so basically you cannot exhaust this term But the simplest, which is more logical, makes it secular, religious, everything Is all that we dream of In fact, without dream, there is no humanity It is semblance of humanity Whatever we dream of, that perfect love, that perfect knowledge which is free of errors, that unmixed bliss which is undying, that peace which doesn't disintegrate into restlessness or inertia, that power that is all accomplishing in creation, that is the divine. We dream for him, we aspire for him, but unknowingly. So when we do it unknowingly, we think this will give me that, this will give me that, then it is a subconscious yoga. When we consciously seek Him in our own depths, then it becomes conscious. So, divine is all the highest things that we aspire for. That is it. And we are programmed for yoga, for the divine. That's why this dream is given to us, which disturbs our days and nights, which no amount of tranquilizers can, you know. Because it is that which we seek. So this one definition. Thank you so much. <laughs>